Praise God. I'm excited to be here today. God is good. Father, we declare that we love you. Thank you for your word that's coming out today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your beauty. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. We pray that as your word comes out, Lord, it meets people at their points of need. Your word dissolves doubts in the hearts of men, Lord, and answers questions in men's hearts. Thank you, Father, for everything that you've done. Thank you because as your word comes today, it will meet the expectations of people, Lord. We pray, we'll go back, bless everyone who comes here, will not return the same. We thank you, Lord, for the might, oh God, and the power in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, so, first of all, I want to thank um, the presbytery and the pastor for the opportunity to be here today. And I also want to thank um, my youth leaders, um, Joshua and Glory, for this opportunity to be here today. It's by the grace of God. I want to thank God for that. And so I'm going to start, like... Um, how can I put it? We have all been talking about the life in Christ so far. If you listen to the messages that have been coming to, the, to, to us in the past weeks, we see that God has been telling us a lot of things, a lot of wonderful things. He'll tell us that we can do all things. Like the message that the pastor preached, the other blank check. He tells us that in the name of Jesus, we can have basically anything, things like that. And so it will make you to wonder that what is this based on? That is this really true? And if this is true, then is every Christian walking the light of these things? Because we should understand that the word of God is a blessing to a Christian. The word of God is a great blessing to the Christian. The person, the person who is out of Christ, one of the major things he's missing is the reality of the word of God in his life. But the thing is that even Christians in the body of Christ, we see that most Christians aren't walking the light of the word of God. Amen? Amen. And so it makes you to wonder that, is it some, what is wrong? Because I want to get one thing in our minds. God's word is true. God's word is not a lie. God never lies. And I want us to understand that God never exaggerates. He has never exaggerated. Everything he says is absolute truth. I want us to understand that. So as we are walking and talking, we'll be, we'll be going ahead with this mindset. Everything that God says is true and there is no exaggeration in his word. I say that the word of God is a blessing to us. Why? The Bible tells us in the book of... Um, in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18. And somebody read it, please. Second Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 18. 
Amen. 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 So he says that us with open faces, we behold into a mirror. He says that we behold into a mirror the glory of the Lord. And he says as we keep beholding, we are transformed into that very image. Amen. This makes you... <laughs> This makes you to, like, it makes you to understand that the word of God is a mirror. It's like a mirror. And he says that as we look into that mirror, what we see is the glory of the Lord. Amen? Amen. We are not, he's saying that it is a reflection of you. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? Do you see another person? You see yourself, right? So he's saying that as you look into the mirror of God's word, as you look into the mirror, what you see is the glory of God. So he's calling you the glory of God. Amen? And he says that as you keep looking in that mirror, as you keep looking at that image, you are transformed into that glory. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, he makes us, he, like, he emphasizes this point in the book of James, chapter 1, from verse 22 to 25, by saying that when he tells us that we should be doers of the word, he tells us that the doer of the word, the person who is the doer of the word, is like the person who beholds, who looks at himself, in the perfect law of liberty, in the mirror of the perfect law of liberty. And he says that as he keeps looking at himself, he walks in the light of what he's looking at. Amen? Amen. So that, I'm just trying to make us to understand what the word of God is like. And why, we, why it's our responsibility to study the word of God. Amen? Yeah, because as we keep looking at the mirror, we are transformed. But the thing is that most people are first of all not looking at the mirror. And the people who are, and the people who are even looking at the mirror, some of them are not even understanding what, are, what he's saying. Amen. So I'll be, I'll be talking a little about the truth, like what is the truth of the word of God. And it won't, I, I will not be, I will, I'm not reading the whole Bible for us. So it will be your responsibility after this to go home and search the scriptures. The word of Jesus told, is, Jesus told um, um, the Pharisees, he told them that you err, you, are, you go wrong in these things because you do not know the scripture. That's what he tells them. So you have to know the scripture. Amen. 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 So I've said that the word of God is a blessing to us. It's one of the greatest blessings to us as a Christian. It's one of the greatest blessings. But the funniest thing is that many people still find themselves like caught up by the circumstances of life. They see themselves in, in bad predicaments. They see themselves walking in sickness. They see themselves walking in debt, in lack. Some people are in Christians, are in drug addiction and things like that, depression. All of those things. And so it makes you to wonder, but why? If the word of God says things that are contrary to that, then why are they working in those things? You see, I want us to understand that. The word of God says that in the book of Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, he says, my people suffer because of lack of Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. He says, my people suffer because of lack of knowledge. He did not say that my people suffer because the devil is strong. He did not say my people suffer because the devil is smart. He did not even say my people suffer because they are weak. He says, my people suffer because of lack of knowledge. He says in the book of Psalms, or in, sorry, in the book of Proverbs, he says that by knowledge will the just be delivered. That, we, that is by knowledge will the righteous be delivered. Amen? Amen. So knowledge is, knowledge is the thing that, we're talk, that, that we should understand. And it's knowledge of the word of God that we're talking about. We're not just talking about any kind of knowledge. Amen? Amen. You see, this, I don't know, as I've, I've, I've been looking like throughout the history, right? And I've seen that. After the church started, I want us to understand that when God tells us that we are the new creation in Christ Jesus, he means it. He means that we are like God. He has made us like him. So when after, after Jesus went up and Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit came down, the devil, was, the devil was very surprised. You understand? 
I want us to understand that he was very surprised because Jesus alone as one man in the world, he troubled, he troubled the kingdom of, of the devil so badly. You see, he'll go to some places and demons will start shouting. He'll go and heal the sick. The word of God says the son of man came to destroy, to destroy the works of the devil. That's what the word of God says, right? And that's exactly what he was doing. So as one man alone, Jesus was, Jesus was how can I say, was disturbing the camp of the enemy. And then after Pentecost, after Jesus died and was raised, and he told the disciples that you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness. And the disciples became born again. The devil saw something different. Imagine one man. I say Jesus as one man troubled the enemy. And then now he saw people who were exactly like Jesus. A multitude of them. So imagine how terrified and afraid he was, right? You see, so what he decided to do is that he started by persecuting them. He started persecution. The persecution was heavy on the church. But the thing is that once the fire has been ignited in your heart, it can never be quenched. Amen. Yeah. It can never be quenched. And so he saw that it did not work. And what he resorted to is de was deceiving the church. We see that for about 1,000 years, the Middle Ages, the span of the Middle Ages, right? The Dark Ages. Do we know that? <laughs> yeah, history. <laughs> we see that the church was completely blind on these things. You see, the, things like the sale of indulgences were happening. And we thank God for Martin Luther, whom God used, right, to tell us that we are saved by grace, through faith, not by works, not by works of the hands. The funniest thing is that it was in the Bible, but they were not seeing it. And so it makes you wonder, like, how is that possible? And, the, and we thank God that the word of God says that we are not unaware of his tricks, amen? So we know the things, that they, we know the way he's, he's going to operate. We know the way he wants to deceive the children of God. He wants to, he has put people in this, in this thing that is called Christianity as a religion. People, like, in school, I go to school, they say, are you a Christian? I say, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. What is, what is Christianity to you? They don't know. It's just Christian religion. But Jesus came to give us much more than that. Amen? He came to give us beyond that. And so as you listen to the word of God today, I want you to have expectations. You see, the word of God, like Jesus, he, Jesus um, God said he sent his word and his word healed them. His word always has a purpose. You understand? His word has a purpose. And so you have to have expectations because he's able to do exceeding above, abundantly, what you can think or imagine. But you have to think. You have to expect something from the word of God. So if you're sick, expect that the word of God that comes to you today is going to heal you. If you're, if you're in any kind of problem, expect that the word of God is going to solve it. Because that is what the word of God does. That is just how powerful the word of God is. Amen. So I say that we are the new creation in Christ Jesus. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says that if any man be in Christ Jesus, in, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, it's a verse that, how, how can I say it, has become like popular in the church. And many people just ignore the, ignore the power of God that is behind that verse. Ignore the revelation of God that is behind that verse. You understand? They just take it lightly. I want, to, I, want, I want you to know that new creation does not mean a new leaf. When it says you're a new creation, it does not mean that you have turned over a new leaf. That is like the, the lesser included in the greater. But it does not primarily mean that you have turned over a new leaf. It is spiritual. It is something that is spiritual. It's not just natural. Amen? He makes us to understand that. He makes us to understand that before when we're in the world, he says that 
We were subject to the things of this world. That, that is our spirit. We were subject to a sinful nature. But in Christ, he says we are recreated. That's how he puts it. He says we are in his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works to which he has called us. Amen. That is how he puts it. So the, the new creation in Christ Jesus means that someone who is new, your spirit has been reborn by God. Amen. So I told you that there is nothing in God's word that is exaggerated. He means that literally. When he says you are the new creation, you are actually a new creation. I don't know if there's a way to overemphasize this. I don't know if there's a way that I can overemphasize this. But if, if, we, if we were to understand the meaning of what the new creation is, then we know that it surpasses anything that the world has ever seen. Anything that the world has ever seen. Let us know that Jesus' life as a person, when Jesus lived in this world as a person, it is true that he was God. That's very true. It is true that he was God, but he was also God's example to us of the perfect life of a Christian. Amen? He was not just, he was not just God walking on earth. That's why he says that the things I do, he always, he always compares himself. He's like, the things I do, you will do greater things. Amen? Because he is God's revelation of what the Christian life is. Amen? So he, has, he, he walked so that we will look at his life and walk like him and even do greater things. In Jesus' name. So in the book of John 3.16, let's open to John 3.16, please. John chapter 3, verse 16. Can somebody read, please? Uh-huh. Amen. The word of God tells us, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. So Jesus came into the world to give eternal life to the world, to give life to the world. In the book of John chapter 6, verse um, 33 and 35, we see Jesus saying that he is the bread of life. How we are copying, we are taking notes. <laughs> he tells us, um, he tells us that he tells us that he is the bread of life and that the bread of life is the one whom God has sent to give life to the world. Amen. It means that the world did not have life prior to Jesus coming. We know that Adam fell down and the world was plunged into darkness. God separated himself. He, 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 he made a whole plan for redemption and he, and he fulfilled that plan in Jesus. Amen. So, Jesus came into the world as the bread of life. He came to the world to give life to the world. And the passage that we read in the book of John chapter, in the first John, sorry, first John, chapter, chapter five, from verse nine to 12, he tells us, can, can everyone read, please? Everyone. Yeah. Can everyone read, please? Amen. He says that we are saved man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater. We receive the witness of men, but God's testimony is greater. And he says that this is the testimony that he has given about his son. And he says that anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God 
has made God out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given. And I want us to look at verse 11 to 12. He says, this is the testimony that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Then he says, he who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. Imagine, he tells us, he, he, he makes us to understand that there is a major testimony that God has given about his son. And then he tells us the testimony. And this is just it. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. It means that this, is, this testimony, this, this thing about life, it should be really important, right? Because that's the only thing that he has mentioned. He did not talk about righteousness. He did not talk about holiness. He did not talk about anything. He did not talk about goodness or anything. He just said, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. And he who does not have the son does not have life. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 16, we read that God came to give us eternal life. The Greek word for the word life there, the Greek word for life is zoe, something like that. I don't know the exact trans, um, pronunciation, but I don't speak Greek. So it's zoe. You understand? Z-O-E. Yeah, Z-O-E. Um, it is zoe. This means that the God kind of life. This means that the very life of God. Understand? I, I, I don't know. Eternal life. Most, most people, when they say eternal life, they think that it just means, how can I put it? It just means long life. But that's not it. The thing is that it, it was because of lack of better understanding that they translated it, that they could not capture the fullness of that word, Zoe. It means life. The God kind of life. When you say eternal life, we're talking about the nature of God. It's just like we said that the God has his own kind of life. The lion has his own kind of life. The human has his own kind of life. And then God has his own kind of life. Amen? And so he tells us that he has given us this God kind of life. I said Zoe means the God kind of life. This is the nature of God. And this is the whole of his testimony. That is all of his testimony. That he has given us eternal life. So it must, it must make us understand that this thing, this thing that he calls eternal life is very important. And if he says that he has given us, imagine, when I usually speak to my classmates in school, what I usually ask them is that, I'll tell them that imagine that the God of the universe, the one who has the monopoly of wisdom, he is the monopoly of wisdom, let me put it like that. He gives you the wisdom, all of his wisdom, because the word of God tells us that Christ has made unto us wisdom from God, right? Yeah, in the book of First Corinthians. He tells us, so the God who has all wisdom, he gives you this wisdom. I'm, I'm, and then I ask them that, imagine what that makes you. Just try to think about it. As you meditate on the word of God, these things have to, cross through, these things have to pass through your mind. Imagine the life of God, the very nature of God, the thing that makes God, God, he puts inside you. Can you imagine what that makes you? What does that mean? Really, what can you make of that? When we say that the nature of somebody, the nature of God, I mean that the thing that makes God sinless, the thing that makes God a good God, the thing that makes God a righteous God, the thing that makes God a faithful God, the thing that makes God incapable of sin, incapable of lying, the thing that makes God a prosperous God. He says that he has given us. So what is the reason for failure? Where will failure come from? Where will poverty come from? Or addiction or sickness or anything, where will they come from? If the very life of God... 
We're talking about eternal life. The life of God. The very life of God. Amen. He says that he has put... Please, please... I don't want us to take this lightly. Let us let us concentrate. I don't want to, I don't want us to take this lightly. This is serious. He's telling us that the life of God has been given to you. It has been put inside you. There is no place for sickness, children of God. There is no place for poverty. There is no place for failure. That's that's why usually in school my classmates let's say will ask me they'll ask me that like because when I speak to people about God in school, they, they think that I mostly use my education because, like, that's something that they can easily relate to since they are all in school. And so I'm very, how can I say, I'm a very intelligent boy. Yeah, I'm very successful in class. Let me put it that. And I tell them, and they ask me that how. I tell them that it is the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God. Because these things, you cannot do them on your own. Understand? It is the wisdom of God. It is his wisdom and walking. And I tell him that you have not even seen the peak. Because we grow in these things. He tells us that the life of God, eternal life, has been put inside you. It has been put inside you. The thing that makes God, God. Oh, Jesus. This is wonderful. I want us to understand that. Let's see this. You know, people usually say that, let's say, like, people usually give excuses, saying that um, uh, my human nature has taken over, something like that. You, you tell somebody that, why are you acting like this? my human nature, don't mind, it's my human nature. I want to understand that we don't have dual natures. It is one nature. The person who is the new creation in Christ Jesus, he has one nature, and that is the life of God. Amen? It is not to, in fact, let's look at this in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. From Amen. So let me read it from a simpler version, please. Um, King James language is. <laughs> Sorry for my ears. Anyways, he tells us, I'm reading from the NIV, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, right? That's what I said. He says that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. He's talking about, let me tell you the context. He's talking about the people who are out of God. The people who are out of God. He was, te- he was telling the Ephesians not to live like them. So he was telling them that these people, they are darkening their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts, that they have lost all sensitivity and they have given themselves to sens- sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. He says that this, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Christ Jesus, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is corrupted 
by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude or in, made new in spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Amen. He says that when you became a Christ, uh, um, born again, born again means born of God. That's what it means. You, like you were born the first time of your mother and the second time by God. So you are born again. Yeah. So he says that you put off the old self. That was the old life, the old nature, the old everything. You put it off. Amen. And he says that you put on a new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So, so you don't have two natures. That excuse does not even exist. It is not even a problem for a Christian. You don't have two natures. You have one nature, and that is the nature of God. Amen. So, so, so it means that when you're not walking in the light of God's word, it's not because you don't have two. It's not because you have two natures. There, there, is, there is an explanation for that, but it is, it is not because you have two natures or something like that. That's just not true. The word of God tells us that as he is, so are we in this world. So, let's see, what does it mean to have the life of God? We have spoken about it. We have seen how awesome it is to be, to have what makes God, God in you. To have his nature. So what does it mean? When you say you have the nature and the life of God in you, you're basically saying you are like God. You are saying that you are like. <laughs> let's look at let's look at the book of John. <laughs> like this, this is heavy for some people. Let's look at the book of John. <laughs> John chapter one. 